Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of If Memory Serves here at NOTLG.com. I'm Taylor, and with me, as he is every month when we wander back through the hazy halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and 90s, he's, well... He's kind of the voodoo stick to my sweet, sweet saxophone this month. It is my brother, Seb. Seb, how's it going? Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Hi, how you doing? Uh, it's going great. You know, I'm still alive. My lungs aren't filled with fluid. I'm not on a ventilator. I still have a paycheck, you know, so. That's, I mean, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, I. from that perspective, I'm doing great. Um, how are you doing? Not too bad. Okay. Not too bad. We are, um, uh. In between, I can't even really say in between holidays. We are firmly in Christmas mode. Mm. You know, uh, uh, presents have been ordered. Presents have been arriving. House has been decorated. The kittens nice. have taken down many of those decorations. Mm. And I keep having to put them back. Um, but the, such is the life of having kittens. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I saw the pictures of your tree online. Looks pretty good this year. Yeah, well, obviously we we weren't able to put many of the ornaments that we would normally put on them because they are breakable. Mm. Um, But we have so many ornaments that we are able to still fill the tree out pretty nicely um, with a bunch of non-breakable ornaments. And I'm happy to say, speaking of talking about uh, memories from the 80s and 90s, um, I always had this little... It was wooden, and it was just a, a VW bug in profile. It was yellow, mm-hmm. and I think at one point I had taken a sharpie and written "Merry Xmas" yeah on it, um, and I hung on to that ornament for a very, very long time. And this year, especially because we can't put fragile ornaments on the tree, I went and just popped just a neat little one sixteenth hole in it, put a hook on it proper, and that is back up on the tree. Nice, yeah. So it's, I, I've got lots of really neat VW ornaments, but they are all glass and Mm -hmm. I could not put them up this year. So I've I've at least got that up there, uh, representing, but yeah, we're, we're good. You know, the, the kids and, and Amber and actually all of us only have, uh, uh, 10 more days worth of whatever we do to get through before we get to Christmas break. And boy, we are ready for it. I think. Nice. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. And it sounds like, unfortunately, we're going to have to figure out something to, or some way to extra socially distance uh, exchange gifts this year. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be just like, you know, throw them out of the trunk of the car at each other or in a parking lot or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it, it might be like, you know, here, stop by, stop by the house. We will go and set them on the sidewalk and you can pick it up and set those down and we'll wave at each other. And then when you walk away, I'll go and pick the, I don't know. You can but get one we, of those remote control robots used by like the bomb squad, you know, yes. deliver them or something. You know what? Kobe has built a couple of uh, 3d printed remote control star Wars droids. So maybe oh, we'll, just, we go. we'll attach a, uh, a little platform to one of them or have it to a, a wagon or something. Brilliant, brilliant. Just I love bring it. that out. And he's even making it make noises and stuff, which is really cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we, we, we are just now, ladies and gents, getting uh, even stricter lockdown 
orders uh, running through the, I think the 4th of January. And it was like, okay. literally, um, anybody outside your immediate household, don't go see them. I'm like, ooh, right. dokey. Yeah. Well, that's a, I guess we have to buy less food for Christmas dinner then. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, hopefully, hopefully 2021 will be a much better year for so much of this. And, and there will be so much new next year, but we will talk about that in a little bit. In the meantime, we have some news stories to talk about. So what's this first one about? We do, we do. The first news story is something I'm extremely excited about. There is a cable television channel that I'm a big fan of. It's called MeTV. Um, it has a lot of classic stuff like Flintstones, Gilligan's Island, stuff that you and I both grew up with. Oh, nice. And they are launching in the first week of January, 2021. Okay. Okay. They're launching a Saturday morning three-hour cartoon block of all of the classic Looney Tunes, Popeye, Tom and Jerry, all that stuff. Really? Maybe, you know, in the age of streaming, maybe this isn't big news. But for me personally, this is huge news. For a person that still watches a lot of, like, like broadcast TV and cable TV, I mean, I can't tell you. I couldn't be happier. I've always, like, it just amazes me that I don't see, I mean, I have a, I have 300 TV channels. And I can't find, you know, Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons or anything like that. I mean, it's, uh-huh. it boggles my mind that there are generations of americans growing up without easy access to this classic animation so yeah i get it uh, i'm there i am you know gonna set my ddr pretty much pretty soon my dvr is probably gonna be overflowing with just classic cartoons but i love it i can't wait well you know and, and it's funny because there are times where i will make some sort of like looney tunes reference like like just within the past couple of months the old uh and me bosh Yes. Right. Where Bugs right. keeps popping up around like this Bugsy character in different outfits, getting more and more of his cash. And the kids are like, wait, what? I don't get that. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, wait, oh, oh, yeah. You guys haven't been raised on Looney Tunes. Uh, yeah. We need to we need to fix this. Yes. And it, it just it's it's mind boggling for me, who is, you know, so entrenched in Looney Tunes. I always liked Looney Tunes better than Disney growing up. Oh, yeah. uh, mostly because the Looney Tunes gang could very easily beat up the Disney characters in a street fight. Um, maybe less so now because Disney owns more properties. But, uh, you know, in the 80s, that was a different story. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, we haven't given you guys this experience. We need to rectify that. Oh, but that's really cool. I'm, I'm going to have yeah. to look at that. And, and MeTV, that's an actual cable channel. That's not like a streaming service. It's an actual cable channel, yeah. Okay, I'll have to look yeah. for that. I will have yeah. to look for that. Well, hearkening back to our two-part Nickelodeon yes. uh, episodes, there is now a uh, Nickelodeon documentary that I think came out in the middle of last month, in the middle of November, um, because I have to remember we're recording in December, even though this... Oh, no, this is December's episode. I'm all turned around. What year is it? <laughs> um, so this is a documentary on the story of Nickelodeon, but a big part of it is kind of the, the, the best friends that kind of, you know, grew up together watching these shows. Yeah. It sounded like the, the filmmakers behind this documentary are actually a, adults now, but they grew up as kids 
watching Nickelodeon. So it's from that perspective, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so it, let me go back up to the top here. I was just skimming it real quickly. Yeah. It came out on November 17th. Um, and it's called the orange years, uh, which kind of an awkward name given, given the outgoing administration, but (laughs) be that what it is. I'm just trying to see where it is streaming. If it is streaming anywhere or if it is through, ah, here we go. Uh, it, it is available digitally and on Blu-ray. Wow, you can actually get it on Blu-ray. Um, but we will have a link to that in the show notes. If you you need your Nick fix, by all means, go check that out. Awesome. Now, one of I feel like one of the earliest things you ever sent me via YouTube was like, "Dude, I found the Star Wars Holiday Special." Oh, that must have been years ago. But yeah, that's classic. yes. It was years ago. It's probably one of the earliest things I have saved. <laughs> I still have it saved, and it still hasn't been taken down on YouTube, which is amazing. Um, not only that, but if you have Disney Plus out there, folks, there is a Lego Star Wars holiday special uh, this year. It's not a recreation of the 1978 one. It's 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 been updated. It's cute. We watched it last night. Um but there's also now a brand new documentary on how the Star Wars holiday special came to be. Oh, that's wonderful. That's, you know, that's really cool because it's really filling a void in, um, you know, it, it's something so goofy and so beloved and yet so shunned by, you know, officialdom and Lucasfilm these days, you know, you know, I'm, I'm really, I was really excited to see this in, in the news uh, for today's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, one thing I will say, it, it breaks my heart that, Carrie Fisher wasn't able to participate because I get the feeling that she would have been like, yeah, I would love to talk about that. And oh, she would have had some great right. too, you know? Right. I can only uh, imagine. I love yeah. the title for it though. It's called a disturbance in the force. <laughs> how the Star Wars holiday special happened. Not even came to be just how it happened. Nice. Oh. Uh, man, that is definitely worth uh, checking out. And when I have a little bit of downtime, I plan to actually check it out. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, Seb, I know last month uh, when we recorded, the election had happened. Yes. Um, and little did we know that 12 hours later, uh, pretty much all the uh, various news outlets would call the race. But we didn't know it at the time. Right. So right. Things were still kind of up in the air. Um, yeah. 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 And, and admittedly, since then, it has been frankly a bit of a circus Mm -hmm. um and and the the clowns and the monkeys are running the show (laughs) but thankfully they will soon be moving on to well probably florida actually um more importantly that has given us the perfect in for what we are talking about this month seb what is our topic well tonight uh our episode we're going to be talking about the presidential election of 1992 um, which might at first seem an odd choice of a topic. This, of course, isn't a political podcast. It's a nostalgia podcast. Um, in many ways, when we think about the year 2020, I mean, the closest, you know, the most similar year to this probably would be, you'd have to go back to like 1918 with the big influenza pandemic. But on another hand, I mean, if you look at it from a different angle, 2020 has a lot to do with the year 1992 because that was the last time in our history that a sitting U.S. president failed in his re-election bid, basically. Yeah. Um, which got me thinking, you know, I mean, there's so few um, 
exciting port parts about 2020. I mean, 2020 has been pretty much a drag for everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, a, in in that respect, at least in the political respect, it harkens back or reminds us of a time that was right in the dead sweet spot of our adolescence. And I think any opportunity that we have to uh, allow this horrible year to remind us of a great year is something to be embraced, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's weird because it's like, the first thing that struck me was it's so, it is pretty, actually pretty rare for a president to lose re-election. I mean, I'm 41. This is only the third time it's happened in my life. But really, if you think about Carter, I was like one year old, one years old at the time. So I was, I don't have any memories of it. So essentially, for most of my life, the only time in my life that a president lost re-election was 92. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But on another level, um, for the past couple months, especially when the pandemic and the lockdown was really getting to me, like psychologically or whatever, um, I, I really done a deep dive on youtube there's a youtube channel that has well there's lots of youtube channels that um stream old episodes of mystery science theater 3000 but there's one in particular that um has been very active in the past couple months not only uploading high quality um digital transfers of msg3k episodes Uh but they're complete with the Comedy Central commercials and bumpers from the 90s. Nice. Nice. And I started watching this stuff just because I needed to laugh, you know, with all of this horror that's been going on around us and stay Mm -hmm. safe. And so many of these commercials are from 92. And so many of the commercials are for um, uh, related to a thing that we're going to be talking about tonight called Indecision 92 that it really got me thinking. And it was just like, wow, you know. I, there were so many memories that started flooding back to me from the election of 92, which was the first, I mean, obviously it wasn't an election that I could participate in as a voter. I was too young. Um, you were too. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was, for me at least, the first election that um, I remember like paying any sort of attention to, basically, you know? So I yeah. thought, oh, that's interesting. Maybe, you know, that might be, you know, that might be an interesting topic for us to talk about on a show, you know. Um, and uh, thankfully, you you agreed. Um, of course, it was always the possibility that um, pre- our current president would have succeeded in his reelection bid, in which case the whole kind of uh, theory behind tonight's episode wouldn't have worked out. So that's partly why it's we're doing this in December. Um, of course, I'm sure that there are a few Americans who... I mean, everybody at this point, I think, is so sick of the election and politics just because people are talking about it so much that it's kind of weird. But that's kind of why we're doing it a little bit later, I think, in the in the in the calendar, you know. Yeah, I I, I think I think had things played out differently, we would have scrambled for a different topic. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, ninety two, ninety two was probably the first election I think I really remember yeah. caring about um, because I was, you know. That summer, I was 15. By the time the election happened, I was 16. I, you know, I knew I was getting close to voting age. Yeah. Um, and I was in high school, and I was obviously more, um, a little bit more more socially minded, uh-huh. uh, and stuff. So, so a lot more of these things mattered mm-hmm. uh, to me. Uh, we'd obviously we'd had the first Gulf War. Um, that was a big deal. Um, you know, we got trains passing by, um, 
And uh, so, yeah, it's funny because when I started looking at uh, some of the stuff from 92, some of the old like MTV Rock the Vote stuff, and it's like, wow, mm. I, yeah, I, I remember this. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, some of the New York Times articles uh, that you linked to in, in the show notes, like I got to read most of one and then I went to go read another one. It was like, hey, subscribe. And I'm like, no. Oh, <laughs> no, sorry. Not going to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have uh, emailed you the text. Oh, well. That would have been nice, but that's okay. I, I will I will rely on your synopses and... Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. So Indecision 92, this this was Comedy Central's big thing. I remember this. Yeah, this was... This was I, 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 I started seeing... When I was watching these YouTube videos recently, I started seeing commercials for Indecision 92, which was the comedy central coverage of of a number of different things especially both the republican national convention and the democratic national convention as well as election night itself mm-hmm. and the um, debates too right and and, and the debates and nice. it's, it's interesting because i mean for, for i mean I, I guess one of the things i should have mentioned is that for tonight's show i mean it's it's mostly we're going to be talking about some of the maybe more pop culture pop cultural aspects of the election we're not going to be so much talking about you know economic policies and stuff like that good because um, i want to stay awake for this podcast <laughs> right exactly um but it's 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 really fascinating when i started looking at um and remembering about indecision 92 and looking about it online um of course it it, it was presented on camera in a news style format in the sense that there was a news desk and that there were talking heads and that there were um, polls and charts that they mm-hmm. would to. But it was obviously done from a, um, you know, a, a, a comedic perspective. I mean, it was host, the main host was, of course, Al Franken, the actor and comedian. <laughs> and um, later senator. And, and later senator and later, you know, uh, resigned senator or whatever. Uh, um, yeah, story. But um, it was just... It, it, it's so weird because it's like, for one thing, reading some of the newspaper articles about this, I mean, they, Comedy Central actually aired more live coverage of the conventions than the broadcast networks in 92. That's, that's honestly really insane. And I want to talk about this for a second because yeah. it's, it's also one of those things that I seem to remember growing up when it came to elections was that there's, there's always been this kind of apathy. Mm about the political process. Um, I, I think that's changed in the past, say, four to six years, uh-huh. um, just because of how extreme things have gotten. But, you know, at the time, um, you know, in the early 90s, it was, I mean, come on, it was, it was, it was grunge. It was the Gen X era. We, we had all felt disenfranchised mm-hmm. um, by the system. So it was like, why the hell should we participate in it? And so, um, having comedy central, uh, kind of step up to not just cover things, but also take the piss out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and make it a little bit more relatable, uh, to specifically, I would say Gen Xers because we were, we were watching Mm -hmm. comedy central at the time, you know, that was, that was what was more interesting than right. most stuff. I mean, it's going to be more interesting than CNN right. uh, or God, I don't remember if MSNBC or Fox news was around then, but, but CNN obviously has been around for 40 odd years now. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, we're we're watching MTV rather than C-SPAN, you know. So these are, exactly, these are the channels that we're tuned into. Our generations turned into, and all of a sudden, there's political content on these channels. I mean, albeit with a a veneer, a comic, a comedy veneer, I guess, to make it make it easier to swallow the pill, or I guess I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't think that they were trying to take political content and put a comedic veneer on it. I think they were taking political content and going, look how stupid these people are. <laughs> well, I think partly that's true. I mean, one of the look things- how I'm... silly these people are. Um, <laughs> here, here are actual things we can make fun of. And be, because we're pointing out these flaws, it's important to you to be a part of this process so, so that these people who are policymakers and who are idiots in a lot of ways, um, if, if you've ever listened to a modern sitting senator or congressperson try to understand the internet, <laughs> it's terrifying. Well, they probably they probably know more about the internet than I do, honestly. I but don't I think I, so. I, I'm taken. Um, I, I think you're right. I mean, we are going to be talking tonight about, you know, um, MTV and Rock the Vote, different mm-hmm. venues that definitely were aiming at more like um, voter participation amongst the, the younger generation. I mean, when it comes to Indecision 92, I don't know if they were so much, they, it may have been a goal of theirs to increase voter participation. Honestly, I think a lot of their, uh, it, you know, I think they partly were just trying to fill airtime and get ratings. But well, I mean, I think I mean, everyone well, I mean, was trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, I mean, you have Indecision 92, like on election night when they were recording the vote totals, the person that they had that would put up the little numbers on the vote total board was like a professional bodybuilder for no apparent reason. Awesome. So it, was, it was just like it had this like uh, this uh, kind of absurdist quality to it, which was just brilliant. Well, and um, that's I think that's something that's missing in politics is absurdism. I mean, that that that's why I think Vermin Supreme was a a great choice there there was there's so many great clips on youtube of i mean they they had so much of the debates and the conventions um televised that they had so much like time to fill that there's like they would basically interview anybody and like Mm -hmm. it's weird like some of the people they interviewed at the time that that were relative nobodies like one of them was a a young george w bush you know what i mean wow Um, yeah (laughs) and it's so funny because they're just talking about like you know, just random stuff. And you're, you're, I'm just sitting there and thinking, gee whiz, it's like, you know, these people know who this guy's going to grow up to be basically. Well, um, no. But, um, but it's really interesting because there was a lot of their, um, you know, the talent that they used as like the reporters that would go out and interview people. I mean, you had interesting folks like, uh, like Ben Stein, of course, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, has a background in both comedy, acting and politics. Absolutely. Like you know? um, one of the things I will say, um, the, 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 the cast, if you will, or the hosts of Indecision 92, um, they didn't hide any of their political beliefs or, or opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, almost uniformly, they were they were very anti-Bush. And one of the things that was interesting was apparently back in 1987, um, the Federal Communications Commission revoked something that used to be called the Fairness Doctrine. And it required holders of broadcast licenses to... Um, present issues of public importance in a matter that was, at least in the FCC's view, honest, equitable, and balanced. And so it, I almost kind of feel that, like, in Decision 92, like, probably never could have happened if they hadn't revoked this rule, like, five years earlier, basically. Because it gave them, like, a, the license to say how they felt on political issues, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. Um, which is another thing I think we'll talk a little bit about tonight um, as we go along. Um, well, and I, th- I think honestly, it, I think you're totally right on that, but boy, I tell you how that has evolved in the past 28 years. I, I kind of think this fairness doctrine needs to make a comeback. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, there's, we've seen, I think a rise of mainstream media, you know, channels and forums that have more extremist content. You know what I mean? Oh, to say the Uh, least. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of public policy, I don't know what the right thing or the best thing is, but definitely I think in that sense, Indecision 92 was sort of, um, regardless of how you or any of our viewers feel politically, it was sort of kind of the, you know, the opening salvo into stuff like that. I mean, when you think about it today, so many people get um, news content from like maybe back in the John Stewart years of The Daily Show or now John mm-hmm. Oliver or folks like that. I mean, I almost kind of feel this is like uh, like the ancestor of that in a sense. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree. And I, I mean, I watched um, I watched The Daily Show all throughout the John Stewart years. And that, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I got more news and, you know, takes on the world around us from him than any other source at I the time. That was my go-to. You know, I got I got to be honest with you. I can't lie to you. Like, John Stewart, for me personally, he will he will always be short attention span theater. Yes, that is, that's, I, that's, no, no, you're absolutely right. No, and I, I, can't, I can't remember the name of, he had a lady co-host. Yeah. And I can't remember her name, but I thought she was really cool too. I think she was married to, um, there was like a, a comedian in like Dr. Katz or something. And he played mm-hmm. this like fire Oh was, yeah. You had a short attention span theater bumper sticker, like on the inside door of your closet. I think you, I did. Yeah. Back in the day, you used to be able to like, where did you get that from them? I, I think it was one of those things where you could send in like a self-addressed stamped envelope or something. Nice. Um, and, uh, they they'd send you this thing back and yeah I remember that that would be one of those things that man I would love to I would love to find I think it looks like the gal in question is Patty Rossborough. Oh God, that is her name. You're right. Yeah, really familiar. Uh, I just I had to look it up real quickly. I'm like, this is going to eat at me <laughs> if I don't bring it up. Yeah, yeah, God, that and that is a young that is a freaking young John Stewart. Totally. That was such a great show. Oh my God. I need to go find some old footage of that anyway. But yeah, I mean, you, I mean, indecision 92 was huge. I mean, another thing for the 92 election for our generation was the collaboration between um, MTV and uh, something called rock the vote, which is, which is interesting. Apparently there were an organization, uh, uh, according to some news articles, they were created in about 1990 um, by the music industry to combat, the censorship of uh, rock music lyrics. Oh, okay. And and by '92, they were doing all sorts of stuff. They were um, doing voter registration drives for mm-hmm. younger Americans. They they registered um, like twenty five thousand new voters during that year's uh, Lollapalooza concert tour. Nice. Um, it, it really interesting stuff. Um, and they got together with MTV and did a number of things. They did. Um, uh, public service announcements. They had a really interesting program called Choose or Lose Facing the Future mm-hmm. uh, with the, the Democratic uh, candidate, Bill Clinton, um, which was kind of like a, 
it was like a Q and A thing, but like everybody in the audience were like younger folks, you know? What yeah, I mean? like a town hall, basically. Like a town hall, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it had like it was really kind of you know funny because it had like all this like pulsing music underscoring all the introductions and like taped reports about politics in America, and they're like yeah. fire questions and answers. Um, it, it's really, it's really, really, really fascinating to me for a number of reasons because. Some of the research I did for tonight's episode, I mean, it's really, it's really, for a person in 2020, at least, it's really kind of almost bizarre because um, apparently in 1984, of all the people under the age of 29, right, all the young people, 59% of them um, were supporting uh, Ronald Reagan that year for president. Okay. In, in 1988, all of those, those younger folks, 62 of them were favoring George Bush, you know, which wow. is... It, 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 at first, I think about that, and I think about that in my mind, and it, it amazes me because today, almost universally, it seems to me, the younger folks are, you know, skewing left of center and democratic and more progressive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then I started to think about it, and it's like, you know, young people vote in so small numbers that, I mean, because I th- it, it, it's interesting because it's like apparently like MTV, whenever they had all these events with Bill Clinton and stuff, they always invited Bush and um, Ross Perot to show up as well if they wanted to. And they yeah. never did, but Clinton said he'd show up. Mm-hmm. I guess you kind of think about it. I mean, maybe they were thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to pander to the youth vote because they vote in so small numbers. We don't really need their help or support or anything like that. Well, yeah, possibly. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting, though, because um, there, there was a lot of like press coverage at the time, according to my research that, you know, looked at Comedy Central and MTV. And there were, there were people who were trying to say that, um, that, oh, these networks are pro-Democrat and anti-Republican. And they're trying to, you know, not provide news and information, but they're trying to kind of help their candidate, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, But it's really interesting when I think about it, because it's like, I was really looking at this and some of the stuff I remember from 92 um, back on MTV, there was like political coverage of especially the Democratic National Convention um, hosted by um, a singer from a band called Megadeth. Dave yeah. Was singing. Yeah. Like it, it, it's, it's I just want to like reach out to these talking heads from back then who were saying, oh, MTV, they're just trying to get everybody to vote Democrat. I mean, I don't know if you know anything about Dave Mustaine, but he's like he's like this born again Christian. He's opposed to gay marriage and illegal immigration. And like ever since 92, he's become like this big Alex Jones, like wacko kind of guy. I look at that and I'm like, I'm like, I think that's like perfect evidence that, you know, it's not MTV trying to get all the young people to vote Democrat. I mean, they're basically choosing all sorts of different, like popular entertainers from different political spectrums. Well, and, and realistically, realistically, if they, as a network, reach out to at this time all three candidates and two of them are like nah we're good and one's like all right sure i'll come on because that's my bill Clinton impersonation um that was actually one president i could do a halfway decent impersonation of back in the day i feel your pain um and uh right now that 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 pain has been four years worth of pain bill so let's let's not let's not go there um anyway if if they've reached out to all the candidates and only one is like yeah i'll come on you have no case to say oh you're just trying to push this yeah you know if you've 
put out legitimately same invitation in three places and one says yes and the other two are like yeah we're good you know then sorry your your point is moot um but yeah i mean i i I remember rock the boat i remember 92 i mean again i was 16 i i i I mean i i remember 88 i remember 84 don't really remember 80 because i was like three and a half um so obviously i I've, I've got the skew of being a teenager who is just a couple of years away from being able to vote himself mm-hmm. but i feel like this was the first election cycle to really um give a crap about youth involvement mm-hmm. and and the vote of young people and the perspective of young people um for for whatever reason that was um, I feel like 92 was really the start of that. Well, some of the links you put to some of the YouTube videos with some of these uh, election, like, I guess you call them public service announcements. Yes. I mean, they're, they're just amazing. These they're, rock they're, vote PSAs are so... They're jaw-dropping. They're so good. Oh, and my they, God. I tell you what, I will the, the three that I pulled, I will make sure um, are in the show notes. It... it Trying to put the audio in here would not do them justice. It really is an audio visual experience. Yeah, um, it's more. Yeah, you have to see it. Yeah. And they're, they're super easy to find on YouTube. Even if you want to go and see more, I think a few people have made like entire playlists worth of them. REM's one. It's it's like some sort of like reverse subliminal message video. Oh, it's the weird. It looks like a kidnap ransom demand video. I mean, it's. Like, it's yes. like black and white and it's all choppy and like handheld. It's crazy. Yeah, it totally is. Um, the the one with Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, <laughs> it doesn't even feature Eddie Vedder talking. It's like all these other people talking and then like at the end, like he's looking at some piece of paper, like like his car didn't pass smog. I forget what it was. And he just looks up at the sky and he screams. And I'm like, okay. Like, what's going on? Like, Sure, um, but the weirdest, the weirdest one. This, this, honestly, this one was crazy. It, it features a young Sarah Jessica Parker and a young, possibly sober Robert Downey Jr. And it feels like a Calvin Klein ad. Let's just set the scene. Like, it's avant-garde to say the least. Downey is like sitting in a chair, and like Sarah Jessica Parker is like standing behind him, like with her arms around him, maybe or something going on. Yeah, or on his shoulders. I forget which. It's been a, like a week since I watched it. But yeah, it is straight up like a Calvin Klein ad for sure. It, it's right? so it's so weird. I mean, I I would love to see. I I, I would watch a mini documentary over like whatever like whoever got hired to direct these i know i know uh, because they are they are so quintessentially 90s let's put it oh, that way oh they're so good they're just like i just you know if there was a candidate like oh you know if, if there was a candidate today who made a video like that i'd be like oh i'm voting for that guy <laughs> whoever he is you know yes that would there there you go uh, it's the nostalgia 90s uh oh my gosh. single issue voters right, right i want more flannel damn it <laughs> totally bring, bring back grunge oh my gosh jeez it I was mean, it was crazy stuff one of the one of the craziest things about the 92 elections that i remember was just how um basically it was the only election that i've ever lived through essentially that was basically a three-way race when you think about it you know because you have like a like um like a legitimate three-way race where you yeah. had that third party candidate with some traction. 
Yeah. We've had, I mean, just, you know, this year's ballot, you've got like six different parties on it. Right. But you've got four of those getting so little traction. You, you know, right. you're talking tenths of percentages. I mean, yeah. I mean, Perot got, I think he got like almost 20% of the popular vote. It, it, it was something like that. Yeah. It was yeah. a surprisingly large number. And Ross Perot, oh my God, what a freaking character. I forgot mm-hmm. just I, I how mean, Colonel I, Sanders he was. No, I know. I mean, the thing was, I mean, like, I have no concept, like, I don't even really quite understand. I mean, obviously he wasn't a professional politician. I don't think he had ever held office. <laughs> no. But but I have really, I mean, all, all, I could read his entire Wikipedia page and I would really have no, still at the end of that, have no concept of who he was, what he did before 92, or whatever he did after 92. He was like this thing that just appeared in that year and then disappeared, as far as I'm concerned, from the pop culture aspect. Yeah, he, you know? he, he was a phenomenon in that, in that sense. I mean, it, it was, I still you know, nearly 30 years later, just remember him at one of the debates, just going, who am I? Why am I here? And I'm just like, yeah, that's a very good point. It's, it's so, it's, he's just such a random, it's like, it's like the more I think about him, it's like, he's not short, but he's not tall. And yeah. he, he seems like an old man, but he's not an old man because he seems like a young man. And it's just like, I don't understand. He just doesn't fit in anything. I can't he's he's, he's a chaos magi- magician. That's That's what it comes down to. And I guess that may, must have been part of his part of his charm, but <laughs> there was definitely some charm to him. I mean, you know, he, the thing is, it's like there's so much, like, I mean, obviously he must have been appealing to voters who d- dis- greatly disliked insiders and professional politicians. Obviously, you boy, know, that sounds familiar, right? But but the thing that blew me away was there's a somebody put a, a video link up on C-SPAN of all things of all things and of course Perot you know trying to do the whole folksy like explaining his economic theories like he had something called the voodoo stick which is crazy in fact um it, it would it be possible if we could play that that clip for our listeners right now i think we would be remiss if we didn't introduce the world to uh, uh, Ross Perot's voodoo stick. That just sounds wrong. I, I might edit that out. Yeah, here, let's give a listen. Now, before I start, I have to use my voodoo stick again. And it's not completely inappropriate because the first time as a boy I ever went to Arkansas, we went to the alligator farm. And this is a simulated alligator claw on a voodoo stick. So it reminds me of my first trip to Arkansas where one of the things you could go see, this was before Disneyland, you could go see the alligators. Now, the great young lady, Ashley, that gave this to me just had a baby. She's fine. The baby's fine. Ashley, congratulations, and God bless you both. Good Lord. <laughs> How great was that? Oh, my How, God. I mean, I mean, I don't even know what to do with that, you it, know? It is, it is so bonkers, and, but looking at it in this, like, like post-Trumpian lens, yeah. like, Perot is just downright delightful and quirky. He's, he's almost charming in oh, terms. Yeah. You know, compared to what we have today, yeah. In terms of like, oh, here, here's someone who's who's not quote unquote an insider, and and who's oh, we'll do a lack of business. And no, no, I, I would rather take delightful, quirky voodoo stick Texan business <laughs> than shady ass mobster business. Now, do you had. do you prefer the voodoo stick with the alligator claw or without the alligator? Claw? Oh, I, I would I would definitely go with the alligator claw. Yeah. Just, I mean, that's a personal preference, I suppose, but I, I think it just adds a little panache to it. 
It's so weird because these days everybody has such a conspiratorial bent that, I mean, if you had a politician today who had something that they called their voodoo stick. Right. Can you just imagine how many people would start like, um, you know, thinking that he was actually seriously into like black magic and the occult and there would be like all these like, yeah, it would would just go crazy. We'd We'd have like a second satanic panic. We would totally would. We totally would, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Perot is just, he's so like, he, his persona, his voice, everything about him, just like, um, you know how like Americans can't help but like imitate British accents? Like there's just something about an yes. American who just, all Americans want to imitate a British accent. And or, or non-Southerners want to do a Southern voice. Right, exactly. You know, it's yeah. like, how could anybody not have an, innate desire to do an impersonation of Ross Perot. You know what I mean? But it, it is pretty good. And, and, yeah. and the, thi- the yeah. thing that blows me away about 92, one of my biggest memories of that election was um, uh, Dana Carvey. Mm-hmm. His amazing, he did, He not only was he great at impersonating um, George Bush, but he did an amazing Perot, I think a lot on like SNL, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, so here you, have a, here you have a guy who's basically like the number one impersonator of like two of the three presidential candidates. I mean, why didn't we just elect Dana Carvey? You know, I don't even know. Isn't he Canadian? Is like, can he not be president? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I want to say that Dana Carvey is actually from the Bay area. Is he really? Okay. I think okay. so. I think he is. Right. I don't think he's Canadian. Like much of the early Saturday night live cast actually was. Um, but yeah, you, the funny thing about, Dana Carvey's impersonations of both uh, Perot and Bush is I, I really, I think ultimately you can trace them both back to at their core, the church mm-hmm. lady. Totally. For sure. I, I, I think lady, you take yeah. the church lady, you, you tweak her a little crazy, you right. get Perot and you tweak her a little bit more prude and tone down the voice and you get Bush. Yeah. You add a little cayenne spices in there. I think you get S- something like that. Something oh like that. Yeah. Cause I, I remember Dana Carvey doing like the whole, not going to do it. Yeah. Not, not, uh-uh. not taxes. We're not going to do it. And right. then, and it was, it was, it was this, this almost like tightening of the mouth. Like you just don't move your mouth much to be George Bush. Yeah. Um, and then Perot was just, nah, 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 nah. Now you see here. And it's just, it's, it's this staccato kind of, I mean, Perot, like the thing about him, he always like on some like deep level, he always reminded me of these TV commercials. We used to watch as kids for this guy that would sell used cars. And I think his name was Cal Worthington. Yes. Cal Worthington is dog spot. Yeah. Alligator or something. Yeah. It's like, I just got the biggest, and I loved, I love those commercials. You know, I always get, it's like, (laughs) like, that's like, I mean, I don't know if that, I'm, I'm sure that's not where Perot's fortune came from. But if you told me he's like Cal Worthington's like heir and that's where his money came from, it would make sense to me on some level. That, I think, I, you know? I, yeah, I see where you're going with that. And it, and it does make some kind of sense. There is some Cal Worthington in Ross Perot to say the very least. Is Perot even, do you think he's still alive? I, you dead. know what? If he has passed, I have missed the story about it. Yeah. Prospero, a bear American business magnet. Um, yeah, oh man, he passed on July 9th, 2019. Oh my gosh, that see that's, that blows my mind that he was not around anymore in the public consciousness, you know, for yeah, so long. That's, I mean, you could you could have told me he passed away in 2005, and I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. I haven't heard from him in 15 years. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Wow, jeez, it's crazy. Yeah, and I I forgot that he even he ran again in 96. That's right, he did. 
Yeah. Born in Texarkana, Texas, where you know, Truck and Coors, East yeah. Texas. Yeah, that's bootlegging. That's you know. bootlegging. Yeah. Ah. Maybe, maybe that's where he got all this money from. But from bootlegging that's, that's what it was. Boot, bootlegging Coors. He's like one. Of the, he's like a big and little Enos Burdett from uh, from a uh, uh, smoking the bandit. Well, he'd be little Enos, of course. Well, you know, yeah. The the last thing I have to say really quick about Dana Carvey. There's there's some really endearing footage online of um, I guess after. Um, Bush lost the election, but before uh, Clinton came into office, mm-hmm. like, I mean, uh, I guess, you know, all of Bush's staffers or employees or whatever were all like, you know, bummed out or whatever. And so they had this big event where Bush and Carvey basically almost did like a comedy routine, you know? Really? Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's really, it's very sweet. It's very endearing. You know what I mean? Um, I, when, I, when was the last time the politics was endearing? I know that's the thing. It, it really just seemed like a, it, it was refreshing, you know. I mean, honestly, personally, I, I've never been a guy who like like hated George Bush Senior. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I've always kind of had like a soft spot for him, you know, maybe on a p- personal level or in, in terms of his persona or background, you know. And it was just it was very I don't know it was very sweet to watch that actually. It just was really cool. You know? I guess Bush felt that his staffers needed like a like a cheer me up kind of situation. Well, know? that that that's cool. I mean, that's yeah. I, I never knew that before. That's kind of a nice. Yeah. That's kind of a nice story. I it was funny because you added you added something to um, my part of the notes uh, just recently, and I just looked at it this afternoon, and I was oh. like, cause you, you were you were like, it's so weird because back in '92, Democratic states on maps were colored red. Oh my gosh. Now they're colored blue. And I'm like, wait, really? Like, I don't, is this some sort of like weird Mandela effect thing? I don't remember this. And I, I opened the image and, and yeah, holy smokes. When when did that flip? It's crazy. Cause there's this, I mean, just to give, just to paint a pictures for our listeners, there's this, there's this, there's this image I found online and of a big photo spread in, I guess it's time magazine from right after the 92 election. And it's got like interviews and statistics and charts and all that junk and it's got this big old map of the united states and of course it's got all the states colored red and blue but it lists all of the states that voted for bill clinton as red and the bush states were blue you know uh, which just blows my mind because i'm so i'm so ingrained to think you know blue equals democrat and what yeah i'm uh, really curious when when this change happened yeah, I mean, but I think it's just, it's so weird, too, to think that, um, I mean, just, just thinking, you know, Bill Clinton is a red state person, just like that phrase just doesn't like, a, you know, calculate or whatever, or equate, you know, but. Yeah, you know, no, it, it, it totally doesn't nowadays, because, I mean, because, like, like, it, it's, it's so extreme now. It's so, like, uh, the color identity is so strong. You would think it was the late 80s, and these were the Bloods and the Crips going at it. It totally, you know, you mean, know. it's it's so ingrained now that I don't think any media outlet could ever legitimately tinker with that. You know what I mean? I, probably um, not. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm very curious. I might spend some time next week kind of just going, okay, let's, let's look at a map from 96. Okay. Let's look at a map from 2000. Like where, where did it change? Yeah. But you know what? I always kind of feel that like, um, like if, you know, media outlets or whoever, <clears throat> if they had chosen different colors, I think that maybe we would live in a better place today. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know, like, um, like fuchsia and, you know, um, plaid plaid, you know, <laughs> I mean, if, if somebody said like, 
hey, I'm a, from a fuchsia state or plaid state, I think it's like it would be, you know, less easy to have a fist fight over something like that if the if the name was just oh, there's the train or a little yes, yeah. the cannonball special, yeah, it's the it's the <laughs> nine thirteen from uh, Stockton or whatever, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know, I, I just think you know you're right about the whole gang thing, you know, red and blue. I mean, red and blue, those two colors are like natural enemies. They're like cats and dogs. I mean, even when you think about like, I mean, if you look at like, you know, the G.I. Joe cartoon show, I mean, the good guys, their lasers and the bad guys' lasers, they were two different colors. One was red, one was blue. So it's like- Absolutely correct. I mean, you're, I mean, to to say that a a red state is Republican and a blue state's Democrat, you're just asking for trouble. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I I completely agree with that. I I would even go so far um, as to say, and and these are obviously things that I've been thinking about more recently. I wasn't thinking about so much then, but the simple fact that um, we have democracy, we have a a democratic process, but we also have a democratic party. Those are two different things. One, the process itself is nonpartisan. The party itself is partisan. Like you literally are confusing people, right? Because you have a bunch of, um, a bunch of non-democratic people getting upset at the democratic process itself. And I'm wondering if they're con- can uh confabulate the two together. Well, it's even, it gets even worse. There's this really bizarre, um, minor political party called, at least these days, I mean, you know, stepping away from nostalgia for a minute, it's called the American Independent Party. Right. And it's 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 a little right of Attila the Hun, you know, in terms <laughs> yes. of their views. But because yes. it has the word independent in it, there's all these people that mistakenly think, oh, I want to register as an independent. And so you register for that party. All these like random people like celebrities and politicians. Yeah, and no, actually, like I, I, I believe for one... Um, I believe for one election cycle, yeah, I was technically <clears throat> independent, and then I realized, wait a second, that's not what I thought that meant, and I went, no, 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 just switch that back to wait, Democratic. Thanks. Wait, wait, were you? Are you telling me you were once registered American Independent Party for like, um, for like a, um, not every four years, the the, the two years, yeah, yeah, the, the five year, or whatever, yeah. yeah. The Senate yeah. year. Oh, that's amazing! I never knew that about you. Yeah, well, oh, because I, I, at that time I was so frustrated <clears throat> with parties. I was like, yeah. "Well, I'm just gonna be an independent." And then right. I got the stuff, and it was like American independent. I'm like, "Um, wait a second! <laughs> I don't think that's what I said." And I was like, "You're getting, you're getting like brochures in the mail about you know which people to round up and put in camps." Thankfully, thankfully no. <laughs> um, but then I went, mm, you know what? No, no, no. I'm just gonna. I mean, and because in California at that time, like. If if you weren't a Democrat or if you weren't a Republican, you couldn't vote for one of them as an independent. And I'm like, well, no, wait a second. What if I wanted to? And they're like, no, you get this one, this you know, this version of the ballot. I'm like, ah, uh, no, here, let's switch me back to a Democrat. <laughs> um, but 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 oh, there was some other point I was going to make in terms of like kind of the the mixed up language that we use to describe things oh i remember what it was anybody putting their name 
attached to some sort of legislation or big change. Like I'm convinced, I'm convinced, and I'm sorry, I'm getting off the nostalgia train here, but I want to, I just want to voice this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the only reason the current administration wanted to repeal Obamacare is because it had Obama's name attached to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's possible. You know, so, so stop sticking your names on stuff, people, because it's going to make people who hate you hate whatever policy that is because it's got your name attached to it. Right. I think, I think the message for politicians here is that if you want your, your bill or your law or whatever to get enacted, call it something like the, the kittens and puppies bill, you know? Yes, I mean? exactly. I mean, Cause nobody could really be against it at that point. I think. I, yeah. Unless they really, really hate puppies because right. who could possibly hate kittens? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm biased. Um, <laughs> I'm partisan. Well, one of my other 92 election memories, I definitely remember a lot of my classmates um, kind of had a crush on like Chelsea Clinton. I think she was. Sort well, of, oh, like, sure. I can see that. Yeah. She was basically like the same age that we are. You know what I mean? So. Uh, pretty I, close. I don't remember what year she was born. Yeah. I think because I remember my best friend in high school, he ended up going to Stanford and like they would like bump into each other all the time and stuff like that. She was born in 1980. Shoot. She's four yeah. years older than I am. Okay, four years younger, like maybe about one year younger than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Year, um, year and a half. She's born in, yeah, yeah, year and a third. Um, I bumped into her a lot at Oxford, actually. Um, Wait, what? Seriously? Yeah, she wears a lot of makeup for sure. I mean, yeah. at that point, you know, I mean, okay. ninety-two, probably not. You know, um, seriously? Why yeah. do I feel like I've never heard these stories? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, my 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 best friend Alex from high school, when he was at Stanford, he was like, he would be in his dorm room. And I guess his dorm room, I don't know if it was really close to one of Chelsea's friends or like it maybe had a number that was similar to the number of Chelsea's friend, but she'd always like walk in, you know, like by mistake, you know? And so like my friend Alec, my friend Alex and his roommate would kind of like stand at attention, you know, because they thought, well, it's like, you know, Chelsea Clinton, you know, it's like we should probably salute or something like that. And she was just like, oh, sorry, wrong room and walk out. That's, that's weird. That's yeah. so weird. That's crazy. But Yeah. But you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it was it was an interesting year. I mean, you know, f- for better or for worse, I know hopefully for the better. I mean, it was probably one of the first elections where they there was an effort made to get younger Americans interested in the political process. You know, maybe a little bit more excited, a little bit more educated about what's going on. Which yeah, is cool. yeah, no, and, and 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 it's very important. It has not stopped being important mm-hmm. since honestly before then. So. Right. Yeah. And folks, if you're listening to this in the future or next week or whatever, and you're not registered to vote, just go do it. Yeah. Go do it. It's really important. You can even do it online now. You don't even have to get near anybody. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those issues that hopefully I would, I would hope is nonpartisan, just the fact of getting more people into the process. Mm-hmm. But uh, So do you have any other like last minute, like 92 oh, election members? Man, <laughs> not really off the top of my head. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I think when, I think when Clinton was elected, I, I was very excited mm-hmm. for the future. Um, I, I realized that the choice <clears throat> between the old conservative white dude and the slightly not as old white dude who seemed cooler by comparison. <laughs> well, you he know, played the saxophone. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, he's on Arsenio. Yeah. Um, and and so th- there was that kind of hope. Um, I I I think looking back, you know, honestly, the the Clintons are 
bit more shady than I realized at 16 years old, but be that as it may, um, you know, it, it just, yeah. I mean, I, I remember going, Hey, yeah, wow. Maybe we can actually make a change in some stuff and mm, some things changed. Some things stayed the same. You know, I do have to say something that just kind of occurred to me now as a flashback memory, and, and I'm sorry I didn't get this in the show notes. I'm pretty sure 92 was the first election where the weekly world news tabloid, which we both loved. Oh, yeah. Talked about. I think this there was a something that was kind of a reoccurring character. I mean, obviously, weekly world news, you have characters like the Bat Boy, people like mm-hmm. that. But there was a extraterrestrial alien, the, the typical gray alien. Yes. I, I think they named him... P-L-O-N, Plon. Okay. And I think 92 was the first year when they started introducing um, cover stories where they would say things like, you know, alien supports. I mean, obviously the big thing is like, you know, uh, you know, if there's some sort of famous individual who supported a particular candidate, that might have been a news headline somewhere. So you right, have, right. So and so endorses. So and so endorses. So and so. You know, so Weekly World News, of course, would have the alien shaking hands with Bill Clinton and yes. say like alien backs Clinton for yes. president. I, I I I remember that cover. Yeah, and that, that and that, I think that became like kind of a like a tradition for them. You know, mm-hmm. each election they would have a new candidate and. Yep. You know, there's a real famous photo of um, George W. Bush on like a campaign bus or something in 2000. And he's super smug and happy because he's holding up the Weekly World News where it says the alien is backing him for, oh my God. for president, which is like just <laughs> like a great image, you know. But it's so I think that, you no, know, I, you know, that being said, you know, I might. After tonight's episode, I might find out that in 1998, that's when they first started that gimmick. I don't know. So I, I don't want to lie to our listeners, but that was the first year that at least I was cognizant of, yeah. hey, there's a space alien that's actually getting involved in the political process, which is yeah. really amazing. You know? I remember that. That's good stuff. Don't know if he's registered to vote. Don't know if it's legal for an like, extraterrestrial to register to vote. Well, if he's been naturalized. I yeah, mean... maybe. Yeah, exactly. He might have a passport. Who, who knows? You know? <laughs> Um, but that's yeah that was just another memory that just popped in my mind i guess that was pretty cool that's good that's good yeah. no i like that that's yeah. that's really good so yeah 92 election is cool it was kind of the like the pop culture election or something i don't know it, it was in a lot of ways that's very yeah. true yeah. very true and again check the show notes for some of these uh these rock the vote uh commercials if you want a nice flashback they're awesome they're so good yeah they really are ah <sighs> well seb how do we say this you know I it's, think a the best it's, it, it's a little bittersweet. It's a little bittersweet. I think that, I mean, I don't want to say the world's coming to an end, even though 2020 has at times felt like the world's coming to an end. That's you for know, sure. Millions of humans dying from the pandemic and economic catastrophes and riots in the streets. But Dogs and cats um, living together. No, wait, no, that's Ghostbusters. Sorry. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think something we have to talk to our listeners about is just the fact that, you know, um, we've been doing this show for for three years, I guess now. In fact, in fact, my Facebook memories let me know that our very first episode dropped three years ago today. Oh my gosh, the anniversary! Yeah. Um, but you know, ultimately, when we think about it, I mean, the concept of our show was childhood and adolescent memories, which is a blast and has been amazing to get this down on record with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, that was going to be a swimming pool or a fishing pond that was of a finite size you know there's only so many memories and topics that we could do shows on before we were really just struggling for content i guess yeah um which is another way of saying that we're kind of 
Um, turning the page a little bit on the If Memory Serves podcast, um, next month we'll be doing another episode. Um, I don't want to say that we're, we're, we're stopping in a sense because, well, maybe I'll let you share the news about what's coming next. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last month, but um, next we've decided because of stuff happening, um, you know, in the news cycle and, and in the world that there is enough excitement between the two of us and, and also with my podcastica co-host uh, John, uh, who will join us periodically that we we've decided we're going to get one more. If memory serves episode out, we're kind of just going to, I don't know, kick back at the pub and have a drink and uh, uh, just kind of reminisce about the podcast and, and stuff, just kind of a closing time. Yeah. Uh, episode um and then for february of 2021 we are going to launch all night with the living geeks um this is going to be our paranormal high strangeness weirdness you know whatever we want to talk about um again monthly in terms of frequency uh podcast about just the the weird weird world in which we live um, and we'll be, uh, hitting that up. So if you are on Instagram or Twitter, look up all night geeks. Uh, if you have a story, if you've had something weird happen to you and you are willing to share it with us and let us talk about it on the podcast, um, or if you've had something weird and you want to join us on the podcast, shoot us an email at all night geeks at gmail.com. And we will see about making that happen. Um, but in order for that to launch, yeah, we have decided that uh, next month uh, we will uh, close the chapter on If Memory Serves. Uh, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe if some really important thing comes up and it's like, you know what? We need to talk about this for one episode. We'll put one out. I'll never close the door on that completely. But it's time for us to switch gears. Yeah. Uh, and instead of just shutting the door and walking away, we're going to, you know, put everything in boxes. And before chucking them in the back of a truck, sit down, have a beer, look at the walls one last time. And I'm already starting to feel emotional. So I'm going to stop talking. Well, you know, I'm very excited about <laughs> about All Night with the Living Geeks. I, I'm, I'm already, I do already have to say that I'm, I am already misremembering the name of our new podcast and it hasn't even started yet. I, I keep calling it up all night, which I'm yeah. sure I, I, I just hope that there isn't another podcast called that because that would, I would there, be there probably, that. there probably there probably is an up all night. Um, I know um, there's a TBS show or, or series called up all night where they'd show movies or something. Um, this is just all night. Right. And with the and, living geeks and you know, it's, it's still going to be, Tan Seb, it's still going to be on the um, Night of the Living Geeks Network. So in yep. some ways, there, it, there will be a continuity. I'm personally very excited about this. We did do an episode of If Memory Serves about the paranormal that you might remember. Yeah, and yeah, I think it was episode was, three. That was one of my favorite episodes. So I'm really excited to talk about ghosts and cryptids and aliens and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, yeah, um, and I'm, I got to say, like, I'll, I'll spoil it right now. I am super excited because I really had hoped to get a particular song from like a legit band mm. to be our theme. Mm -hmm. um, and I figured, look, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no. I'm like, I'm at least going to ask. Right. Um, so I asked and it 
took a little longer to get a response uh, uh, than I was originally told, but that's okay. But I was stoked when uh, the guys in the Ghoulies, uh, the drummer of which was is part of the Hellier team, and you will hear lots more about that on All Night, um, got back to me. I was like, yeah, dude, the band is totally on board. Yes, you are welcome to use this particular song. I won't spoil it. Um, you'll have to listen to the show in February to hear which song it is. So um, I was, yeah, I was actually just working on the theme, putting a little couple samples into it just today uh, in order to kind of gear it up right. uh, for our show. I'm over the moon. Um, so excited. And he, he even offered, he's like, Hey, if you guys want to have me on as a guest, I'm happy to come on. I was like, hell yeah, dude. Awesome. let's get you on at some point we will make that happen um i'm, I'm so excited to hear what you're going to have with the theme I'm, that's going to be really cool yeah it, it it it's it's going to be great it's going to be really high energy um there's a lot to talk about obviously and i i'm yeah i think these are these are going to be longer episodes uh when we start diving into some of this stuff i've got a ton of ideas like i literally just finished a book called witness to roswell i am mm-hmm. so convinced that, that it was definitely not weather balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will, we will go into that at some point. I, I think our first episode is really just going to be us kind of, uh, you, me and John, just kind of sitting down, just kind of introducing ourselves. Yeah. Um, and just talking about experiences we've had and stuff we believe, uh, you know, I'm kicking around some ideas. I'm going to start getting some show notes put together here and sharing them out and all that kind of stuff. So there is, there's cool stuff to come but it won't just be eighties and nineties nostalgia. Although I am very certain that some of the stuff we will talk about took place in the eighties and nineties. So if you're still looking for a little bit of that content, we will have it. Amen. Amen, brother. Yep. Yep. All right. Oh man. man. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I I hope you are healthy. I hope you are safe. I hope you stay that way. Um, And I hope those you love um, and those who love you um, are also healthy and happy. Um, please just be careful out there. Like it is, it is becoming a much worse winter uh, than they were even expecting. Um, so wear a damn mask, please. You're Wash good. your hands. Stay away from people. I, I know people are are cool most of the time, but you know what? Stay away from them for a while until we can all get past this. Um, get a vaccine into circulation and uh, kind of start to tamp down. Um, just this absolutely raging pandemic. So please uh, have a great Christmas. We love you very much. Thank you for listening. Um, and in the meantime, uh, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at memory serves pod. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to leave both those up once the show is done. I don't know how much we'll be interacting on them. Just putting that out there. You can follow me on Twitter at blue box UFO, and you can follow Seb at the greatest handle of all. Clan McMuffin. Ah, yes. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes because I refuse to call it Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Dude. and Spotify, wherever on earth you consume podcasts. Just search if memory serves and rate and review us as well. Please uh, share word of mouth, even if it's like, hey, go back and listen to this old episode. They talk about uh, shopping malls or whatever. It's it's still spread us around as much as you can. Subscribe to us at SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G, and you will get all the shows on the network. Whether you want them or not, they will be there. Uh, N-O-T-L-G.spreadshirt.com. We are going to leave the F Memory Serve shirt up there if you want to get that sweet 80s cassette look and uh, sport it on your rather attractive torso, I might add. 
<laughs> I'm looking at you out there. That's a great looking torso. Um, go ahead and get one. Um, obviously, with the holidays, with the pandemic, please support small businesses. Um, um, support friends who are artists or bakers or comic book store owners or whatever. Um, support them as much as you can rather than us. We're not hurting. If you want to support us in addition to everyone else that you are helping out right now, good job you guys out there. Uh, Patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. That helps the whole network, not just us. And we greatly appreciate it. In the meantime, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you one more time. Good night. Good night, folks. That was actually one president I could do a halfway decent impersonation of back in the day. I feel your pain.